Beloved by God, Church, let us begin our service before the Lord. Let us stand up and confirm the confessions of the faith of our heart, the promise that belongs to the door of our hope. May the resurrection of Christ be enthroned in our bodies. Amen. Let us bow our heads in prayer. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we are grateful to your holy name for the privilege of being in this place that your hand has appointed for the worshiping of your holy name. And now stand, O Lord, allow your inheritance in the name of the blood of the covenant to be freed from any sin that binds us. May in this service as previously all the works of the devil be cursed, illnesses, poverty, untimely death, demonic possession, all matter of fear, depression, destruction, ignorance, and error, all of this may depart from the tents of your holy people. And now stand, O Lord, upon the place of your rest, you and the ark of your might, and may your saints be clothed into your salvation, and rejoice before your face. Give us more of your Spirit, saturate us with your Holy Spirit, allow us to find your great face. We thank you that the service is presented by Apostle Arkady into your godly hands, and we pray, continue to lead it with a mighty and powerful arm, our great God, Son, and Holy Spirit, Amen. May you be blessed. Please be seated. The book of Apostle Paul, Ephesians 4, 22 through 24. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which has been corrupted by its deceitful lusts, to be made new by the spirit of your mind, and to put on the new self created by God in true righteousness and holiness. The name of the sermon is the right to the power to put off our former way of life so we can clothe our bodies into a new way of life. To fulfill this decreeing commandment written in the book of Apostle Paul and presented to us in the series of sermons of Apostle Arkady, we need to put three destiny impacting commanding and fundamental acts into practice. These are put off, be renewed, and put on. Fulfilling these three requirements will determine whether our salvation happens that is given to us in the format of a seed so we can obtain it as a possession in the format of the fruit of righteousness or so that our justification would become righteousness. Relevant to this, we stop to study the allegory contained in the 18th Psalm of David where getting to know and confessing the power that is contained in the heart of David consisted of the eight names of God, allowed David to love and call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised, and gave God the legitimate ability to use the power contained in the capabilities of these names in battle against the enemies of David. And so Psalm 18, 1-3. I love you, Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. My God is my rock, in whom I take refuge, my shield, and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold, I call to the Lord who is worthy of praise, and I have been saved from my enemies. And so the eight names of God let us together proclaim our destiny in Jesus Christ. Lord, you are my strength. Lord, you are my rock. Lord, you are my fortress. Lord, you are my deliverer. Lord, you are my rock in whom I take refuge. Lord, you are my shield. 
Lord, you are the horn of my salvation. Lord, you are my stronghold. May the Lord hear the confessions of the faith of our heart and may he make us worthy and he has already made us worthy of these names and so that we may see this this worth is we need to continue to remain in the word of God, the preached word of God. Therefore, considering that in a specific format as much as God has allowed and the measure of our faith, we already studied our inherited lot that is in Jesus Christ in the form of the virtue of four names of God, strength, rock, fortress, and deliverer. Therefore, we will immediately go to the study of our inherited lot in Christ Jesus, studying the name of God, rock, in whom we trust, or rock of Israel. In the given prayer psalm of David, we see that the name of God, rock of Israel, contains the inherited lot of the Son of God, in whom and by whom we together receive the victorious ability to keep and broaden or to expand our salvation consisting of the adoption of our body by the redemption of Christ. The name of God, Rock, will allow us to keep and expand our salvation. If we're not expanding the territories of our salvation, then we will not be able to keep it. And how do you expand it? You expand it, as our pastor has noted more than once, this is to thank God that he has justified our spirit, bore us in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and that he renews our mortal soul and will adopt our mortal body. What are we doing? We, by collaborating with the Word of God, are expanding, we are broadening the horizons, the territory of our salvation, and when people are not keeping and expanding it, because people are focused on the Spirit, God has saved my spirit, but what about your character? What about the old man? What old man? that needs to die in the death of the Lord Jesus Christ, needs to die for this and this and this. And the person doesn't know what you're talking about. They say, I'm saved. But salvation is given in the format of a seed. What seed? What language are you speaking in? Our our, our pastors say we're saved and we're all going into the kingdom of heaven. But as we see that salvation that we receive, God saves our spirit and we need to now keep the salvation, we need to expand it, the territories of our salvation, have it encompass then our soul by having it renew, die and resurrect and then adopt our body so that it can be in the likeness of the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so that's why you need to bring the body of Christ or your body into the church. God will renew our soul as he will renew our body. He will glorify his bride. He will glorify her when he glorifies our bodies, which is a part of the bride of the Lamb. Everything he does for his bride, he does for every one of us. If we are a an organic member of the chosen by God remnant. And so we came to the necessity to study the following series of questions. First, what characteristics and categories identify our inherited lot contained in the name of God, Rock of Israel? What purpose in the realization of our salvation is our inherited lot called to fulfill consisted in the name of God, Rock of Israel? Third, what price do we need to pay so that we can provide God with the legitimate ability to be our Rock of Israel? And fourth, by what results can we determine that God is truly our Rock of Israel as it relates to the realization of our calling? 
We need to also keep in mind and never forget that if we decide to study our inherited lot contained in the name of God, Rock of Israel, as something separate from the faith of our heart or the confessions of our mouth, then we will immediately be going in the wrong direction. Collaborating with every one of the eight names of God, all of these eight names of God that David proclaimed in the psalm and that we proclaim together with him, we need to utilize our heart and our lips. And to utilize our lips, it is necessary to expand our salvation upon our body because God hears only what is His lot. And so if a person does not believe that his mortal body is a part of God's lot and that there's a price that's been paid for it and that God wants to uh, occupy the throne within the body, then God can't hear such a person because God only hears that which is his lot, which is his own. But if someone just says, oh, well, this is just the flesh, it's just the body, it doesn't matter. Uh, this is uh, very important, and God will not hear you when you treat your body this way. He paid a price for it. He hears lips that are meek, that are gentle, that proclaim the faith of the heart. And so our heart, it needs to always be accompanied with the confessions of our mouth. Looking at these four classical questions, we have been studying the second. What purpose in the realization of our salvation is our inherited lot called to fulfill consisted in the name of God, Rock of Israel? Let us bring forth six of the purposes of the lot contained in the name of God, Rock of Israel, and after we will study the seventh purpose. First purpose of the lot that is contained in the name of God, Rock of Israel, abiding within the heart of a student of Christ, is called to give us living water to quench the thirst of our new person, in which we are called to demonstrate the holiness of God to the disobedient sons of God. Just as Moses, he needed to demonstrate together with Aaron uh, God's holiness before the people. He needed to hallow God and speak to the rock so it, it yield water. Our spirit is the same, needs to uh, state to our body, to our emotions that are uh, rebellious to speak to the rock, Jesus Christ, so it give us water and demonstrate holiness in this way. Our spirit is holy and inherent to God. But it's not holy just because it's born from God. Uh, that's included, but this holiness is demonstrated in some way. Just like Moses, before the face of the disobedient sons of God, proclaimed the word of God and turned to the rock so that it can yield its water. Our spirit in this way behaves when Israel, all these feelings, emotions inside of us are, are, are stirred up. Uh, all the complaints and all of the anger and all of the frustration, where where the melons and everything else that we had. But Moses needed to speak to the rock as Jesus Christ so that he yield his water. And so in this way, the Lord then hewns us from the stone, as it says, looks to the stone from which you were hewn. Because he is the master builder, the Lord, and he as the artist, and he is not just an artist, he's a sculptor, an architect, all that's included in that. He's a musician. He, it, in the word artist, uh, it includes all of those things. And he reflects his voice in the Psalms of David. The Lord has a lot of gift, uh, he, uh, of, as you could say, gifts. And 
the Lord hewns us from the stone, which is Jesus Christ. He allows us to take the form of this rock, the form of Jesus Christ himself. Second purpose of the lot that is contained in the name of God, Rock of Israel, abiding within the heart of a student of Christ, is called because the Lord does not hewn a controller. He just removes them from the church altogether. But a student, he does hewn, he carves out of this stone, Jesus Christ. And so this rock is called to make our heart wiser than all the wise men of the earth. And if you if you remember in the place of scripture you read, which was about the badgers, the rock badgers that build their house houses in the rocks. And so there were also the other animals that it, it referred to, the ant and the bee. Uh, there was the ant. They are not a strong nation, but they prepared their uh, food in the summertime. This is our spirit that uh, receives the word of God and puts it in the heart. Uh, and just as the locust uh, that does not have a captain, but does, they all go together and rank. Uh, this is our mind because the mind doesn't have a king. But the king, <clears throat> uh, uh, we renew our, our mind with the spirit of our mind and God himself is then king for uh, the locusts. This is a renewed mind. And then the spider, the example of the spider who uh, gra grasps onto the webs and uh, sometimes ends up in the courts of the king. Uh, he is in the courts of the king and continues in them so that he, of course, not be caught in some other uh, other idols or the, the sinful idols third purpose of the lot that is contained in the name of God, Rock of Israel, abiding within our heart of a student of Christ, is called to lift our head above our enemies who surround us. And how does the Lord lift us up? He makes our calling sure and our election sure. He can't lift us up above our enemies if we don't understand our calling, our great call that is in Jesus Christ. And our call is our election. What we choose, what we elect, that is then that determines then our call before the Lord. Apostle Paul says, forgetting what is behind, uh, striving for what is ahead, uh, for the upward call that is in Jesus Christ. He was striving uh, for the reward, the greater call that is in Jesus Christ. And what did he need to do for this? He needed to forget what was in the past and focus on what is ahead. And everything he had obtained in the past, all of his earnings, he considered it as nothing uh, I count him as nothing, he said, uh, for the sake of Jesus Christ. And so the call that he had chosen in his life, he decided to forget all those things and move forward, strive for the upward call in Jesus Christ. Fourth purpose of the lot that is contained in the name of God, Rock of Israel, abiding within the heart of a student of Christ, is called to be a rock of refuge and a rock of defense by the power of which God will lead us and direct us so that we can so that he can deliver us from our enemies here it's talking about us uh, focusing upon the leadership of the Holy Spirit the Word of God that's in our heart so that <clears throat> so that we not end up in the in the snares of those who consider idols if we're not led by the Holy Spirit and we respond in incorrect ways, uh, we end up in then in the 
snares of of the evil ones. And so, if you remember, Jesus, he allowed himself to be caught finally when he was put to death, but only the one time. Uh, if you remember, the high priest had told him that I... I, I demand you, according to li- the living God that is before us, uh, tell us if you're the Christ, the Son of God. And he wanted to catch him uh, and wanted to call him a blasphemer. Uh, that was the intention. He was uh, behind this rock of defense, and he was behind this rock of refuge, but he allowed himself to become vulnerable and get out of them that one and only time for our sake, so that he can be put to death. He needed to... <clears throat> jump into these snares of death and it, he then resurrected and in his resurrection he pulled us all out of these snares of death uh, together with himself fifth purpose of the lot that is contained in the name of God rock of Israel abiding within the heart of a student of Christ is called to yield rivers of water for us from the, fl- the flinty rock so that we can then do good or that he can do good for us where we will receive strength to obtain wealth so that he can fulfill his covenant which he had established with our fathers as an oath. And here we were shown how the Lord uh, yields rivers of water for us from the flinty rock, so he can do something for the nation of God. The nation of God needed to sanctify themselves, go to the wilderness. The springs can only be opened in the wilderness, and to go into the wilderness, you needed to follow Moses and when they followed Moses, they discovered two things. First, they began to feel the danger from the uh, serpents and the scorpions, and they began to experience great thirst for water. They needed to receive the Holy Spirit as the Lord and Master of their life, two signs by which you could determine that a person uh, has followed the correct person whom God has sent in his life. How did God send Moses? Israel experienced two things. They saw these uh, serpents, these scorpions. They uh, discovered that it wasn't my forefathers or my fathers who have these qualities in themselves. It is I who have them in myself. And after I follow, began following the anointed of God, I began to discover this inside myself. And that's good. That's good because that means you are following the right person. While we continue to see the negative qualities only in your father and your grandfather, uh, and so we may be, have been following the right person, but we're still marching in place and not moving forward. The first sign, when I go into the wilderness, everything that's in my father I see in myself. And we, in this way, can put to death this sinful conduct that has been passed down to us genetically. And, of course, experience this great thirst for water to receive the Holy Spirit as our Lord and Master of our life. These are the qualities uh, that a person will have when he collaborates with God as our rock. Sixth purpose of the lot that is contained in the name of God, rock of Israel, abiding within the heart of a student of Christ, is called to nourish us with honey from the rock and oil from the flinty rock. And there were eight that were listed. The honey that is from the rock is the revelations uh, that the Lord gives us in the church, honey, <clears throat> uh, where there's a bee family there's going to be honey as we know and 
there where a person receives the revelations of God. This is the rock that is Jesus Christ. From him, revelations are received. His elementary teaching, there where the elementary teaching is, this church, this family will be in the likeness of the family of the bees. There will be buzzing, but it will be uh, revelations, revelations that will uh, require some of this. The revelations that we receive here is not revelations that I personally am giving, but that which the Lord has revealed to His messenger. And you then buzz over the word, as it were, as the families all, they hum together and you hear it. The church in this way does it also. And so if we receive this revelation as the honey, we now need the oil, which is the Holy Spirit, who will allow us to understand this truth that we have received. And we need to receive the produce from the fields. That is, have the good soil of our heart, cleanse from dead works we need to be nourished by the butter or as it were the curds from from the uh, milk of a cow uh, and that needs to be beaten as we have talked about you be, you need to beat them into into butter or into curds and, and by the process of this this is us working with the word of God we need to apply it work on it meditate confess uh, to continue to abide in this truth uh, in our services also in the cell groups where uh, you you're beating this this into fine butter and all of these eight components these are solid foods this is not talking about milk but solid food it is also talking about the milk of of the goats and and the sheep and it is actually medicinal and very very and it is amongst, this is uh, the medicinal properties that you will see amongst the children in their fellowship with one another. This is the word of God that we begin to serve, uh, we begin to serve one another with the word of God. We, we comfort, we edify one another, we lift each other up, we forgive one another according to the truth. This is this milk from the, from the sheep or the goat. It begins to heal us, lift us up, comfort us with uh, from one another uh, in our fellowship with one another because yes you hear the word of god from the stage but you can't constantly just only be following the word only from the stage uh uh you comfort one another with it as well also the fats of the of the rams and the you will be eating the fats it says this is the food of the gods as it's as known uh God had forbidden them from eating the mil <clears throat> the, the the blood and the and the fats. Uh, but Jesus Christ, when he came, he he required us to drink his blood and to eat the fats, um, but only uh, the from the animals that are on the mountains of Bashan, because uh, these are the mountains that the Lord has chosen for His people. And if you're there. And there were the, if you remember, there were the 60 cities, and they were fortified cities with great walls, and all that needed to be destroyed so that we could take hold and control of, so that we can then tend our sheep, feed our sheep upon these mountains, these hills. And so these are then the fats that you obtain from the Bashan Hills. And we need to also eat of the grain. The, 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 the better part of the grain. 
and so the most preferred grain. And so this is when we confess the word of God. If the first component is the produce of the fields that you need to have a good heart, then this, uh, the more preferred grain, because preferred grains also have a, a type of oil in them. This is the word of God. Uh, it's in unison with my spirit, soul, and body. I confess and all is saturated with this. And the eighth, we will drink the juice of, of the vine or the juice of the grape. Together with the Valley of Accor, the right to perform judgment, the right to perform judgment. Now let's turn to the seventh. And the eighth, seventh purpose of the lot that is contained in the name of God, Rock of Israel, abiding within the heart of a student of Christ, is called to separate us from the nations so that we know the righteous works of God. God wants to separate us from all of the nations, our nation also, so that we may know the righteous works of God. Numbers 23, 9 through 10. From the rocky peaks I see them, from the heights I view them. We see here heights and the rocky peaks. The Lord will show how the rocky peaks work with the heights. And when a person says, Lord, you are my rock, the Lord will ask, do you have these rocky peaks? Do you have these heights? Where I make a covenant with, I, I going a little bit ahead, God will look whether the covenant he made with you is, is there inside of you. Do you have the promise inside of you? From the rocky peaks I see them, from the heights I view them. I see a people who live apart and do not consider themselves one of the nations. Who can count the dust of Jacob or number even a fourth of Israel? Let me die the death of the righteous and may my final end be like theirs. This is the prophecy of Balaam who had the intention due to an attractive bribe promised to him by Balak the king of the Moabites to curse the nation of Israel but instead Balaam began blessing Israel Micah 6 5 my people remember what Bala king of Moab plotted and what Balaam son of Beor answered remember your journey from <clears throat> Shittim to Gilgal that you may know the righteous acts of the Lord <clears throat> and so let us look at this prophecy which God had put in the mouth of Balaam, who later then perished. <clears throat> he says the rocky peaks. From the rocky peaks, I see them. This were the first blessings uh, that God had given. So what are these rocky peaks and heights? The rocky peaks represent the functions of the oath promises of God, containing the unsearchable inheritance of Christ, at the basis of which lies the adoption of our bodies by the redemption of Christ. Again, the rocky peaks, they represent the oath promises of God. But what promises of God? At the basis of which lies the adoption of our body by the redemption of Christ. What are the heights? The heights represent the function of the covenant of peace between God and man, upon the basis of which we are called to inherit the oath promises of God Therefore, the phrase, from the rocky peaks I see them, from the heights I view them, speaks of God showing Balaam Israel's purpose as warriors in prayer. 
which according to the covenant that was made between God and their fathers, they would inherit with their faith these oath promises of God. According to the covenant, they will inherit with their faith the oath promises of God. Because of... And so, they will, according to this covenant, they will inherit it. You see how important these rocky peaks are. And so, how much do these rocky peaks depend upon these heights? Because covenants were made upon upon heights. And so every time they made a covenant with God, they would go up to a, a hilltop and they would make a covenant with God. They would offer a sacrifice uh, upon a hill. And Pastor clearly shows here that a person can only, according to the covenant that he made upon this heights, he can there inherit then the oath promises of God upon these rocky peaks. And so it's incredibly phrased here, and it's very difficult to be able to explain it like this, a more beautiful way that Pastor has been able to uh, lay this out and explain to show how this all works together. And so only according to the covenant that is made with the Lord Jesus Christ do we have an inheritance of the oath promises of God. Israel's purpose as warriors in prayer always comes from the inherent omnipresence of God where he foresees and foreknows how a nation and a person will respond within time that is allotted allotted to them, how they will respond to his word that is given to them in the form of his commandments and statutes, and if God, due to his ability to foreknow and predestine, discovers our reverent and respectful reaction to his word and our readiness to fulfill this word, he predestines us so that we be conformed to the image of his Son, Jesus Christ. <clears throat> Romans 8:29-34 For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but give, gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things, who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies, who then is the one who condemns. No one, Christ Jesus, who died more than that he was raised to life. Romans 8:29-34. Because of this because of his ability to foreknow about the nations and, and persons, <clears throat> God separates such a nation for himself from all other nations and such a person from all other persons who in nature are haters of his word and refuse to come to the light so that their deeds are not exposed. And in this way, these people condemn themselves to eternal hell. Just like Balak, you may want a blessed destiny for yourself as much as you desire, the destiny belonging to Israel. And you can state this with your mouth, just as Balaam did. Let me die the death of the righteous and may my final end be like you, like theirs. But if a person just like Balaam is ready to sell the truth for the sake of an unrighteous bribe and is ready to accuse the innocent, 
then his correct confessions will be nothing more than idle words, for which he will die the death of the wicked, and his end will be similar to that of Judas, who betrayed Christ for thirty silver coins. Why did the Lord not forgive Judas? Peter also betrayed him, if you remember. Judas betrayed him. <clears throat> because Judas had betrayed him by selling him and selling for 30 silver coins and Peter did due to cowardness and so 30 silver coins is the price of the lowest of, of slaves uh, the lowest of, of slaves you can buy at that time is the price that he, he sold him for <clears throat> because Judas asked the priests, what will you give me and I will betray him? And they said sil 30 silver coins as, as, as if he's nothing. That he is not worthy. Can you imagine? He did not just betray him, he sold him, he hated Christ. He was jealous of Christ. You can imagine what, what a wicked person is. Judas saw himself greater than Christ and it's like Lucifer who looked at God and said how am I different from God I have a power I have wisdom people uh, aren't of me they listen to me what is what is in my way of becoming first why can I take his place or his position And so, it's important that uh, if you do, like in certain situations where you're allowed to take the position of, of the primary at times, you need to know your role and you need to love people. You can't just be a boss, say, in the church. You have to be a father, you need to love people. Love people as a father would love his children. And it is important that we see this quality in pastor. The phrase, who can count the dust of Jacob, or number even a fourth of Israel? The dust of Jacob is the promise of God as the descendants of Jacob in the form of the fruit of righteousness. He said to Abraham, I will make your descendants as the sand that he saw on the ground. When it's talking about the fourth part of Israel, that means to determine the price and <clears throat> determine a price and worth, identify the roles. When we're talking about counting the dust of Jacob and a fourth of Israel, the word count in Hebrew again is determining a price and a worth, identifying the roles. By asking this question in the prophecy of Balaam, God wanted to show that only he has the right to determine the worth of his nation, and only he has the right to determine the allotment of roles in his nation. And of course, the question comes up, how does the Lord then determine the worth of his people, of his nation? When it says to count a fourth of Israel, to number, in Hebrew, this means to, to number the order where Israel was separated into four armies in accordance with the four sides of the universe. 
the Lord numbers his people, he gives them, he, he determines their worth. And so again, he separates them into four. That is according to the four sides of the universe there and every and each of the four have within them three and together in com- combination it's 12 12 is God's order and Jerusalem is and the bride of the lamb is saturated with God's order we're talking about the 12 precious stones we're talking about the 12 pearly gates we're talking about this order that is the tree of life that produces its fruit every month 12 times 12 fruits uh, 12 times a year <clears throat> and so there's an order that exists there as well and we can't produce the fruits of righteousness to God if we don't have these 12 foundations and when the Lord lays these 12 foundations he does so so that there be 12 pearly gates so that we can pass through these pearly gates uh, through the suffering of Christ so that we can then inherit with him his victory summing up the given component we conclude that the per the purpose of the law contained in the name of God, Rock of Israel, is called to separate us from the nations so that we can understand the righteous works of God when it comes to ourselves so that we can receive the inheritance of Jacob and form ourselves into a battalion unit in his army. Eighth purpose of the lot that is contained in the name of God, Rock of Israel, abiding within the heart of a student of Christ, is called to make us, as his students, a shadow of a great rock in a thirsty land. <clears throat> Isaiah 32, 1 through 8. See, a king will reign in righteousness, and rulers will rule with justice. I'm going ahead of time, ahead here a little bit. Uh, how our spirit will rule, and how our soul, the ruler, will behave. Pastor will identify, identify the ruler, identify the king our spirit and our renewed soul how they rule and according to what kind of fruit can you determine this be a king will reign in righteousness and rulers will rule with justice each one will be like a shelter from the wind and a refuge from the storm like streams of water in the desert and the shadow of a great rock in a thirsty land then the eyes of those who see will no longer be closed And the ears of those who hear will listen. The fearful heart will know and understand. And the stammering tongue will be fluent and clear. No longer will the fool be called noble, for the scoundrel will be high. Nor nor will the scoundrel be highly respected, for fools speak folly. Their hearts are bent on evil. They practice ungodliness and spread error concerning the Lord. The hungry, they leave empty, and from the thirsty, they withhold water. Scoundrels use wicked methods. They make up evil schemes to destroy the poor with lies, even when the pl- when the plea of the needy is just. But the noble make noble plans, and by noble deeds they stand. As much as we already know, a symbol of our king ruling in our body according to righteousness is our sacred person ruling within our body, within the boundaries of the elementary teaching of Christ, identified within our essence as the kingdom of heaven upon the condition that we have grown into the full measure of growth in Christ. And so who is the king? This is our spirit. Our king is our spirit. 
What does he need to do? He needs to rule within the elementary teaching of Christ, within the boundaries of it. And if our spirit has now been grown into full measure of growth in Christ. <clears throat> the symbol of our ruler, and rulers were often the relative of the king, of, of, the, of the same family. The symbol of our ruler, who rules according to the law of the Most High, is the reasonable aspect of our soul that is renewed by the spirit of our mind, that voluntarily places itself in dependence of our king, which is our new man. Therefore, the purpose of the lot contained in the name of God, Rock of Israel, abiding within our heart, is called to exalt our new person within the boundaries of our body to the royal throne, which is the rod of our pure mouth, and give our ruler, which is our renewed mind, the power of godly authority, to rule over our body according to the law of the Most High by the rod of our mouth. <clears throat> and so what does the Rock of Israel do? He allows our king, our spirit, he, he grows it into perfection and he allows him to rule in the, within the elementary teachings of Christ. He seats him upon the royal throne and from the position then of this throne, our lips, the ruler can then govern according to the law within our body and so again for our king and our ruler they collaborate and they use the rod of our mouth and to see the entire picture contained within the given component, the purpose of the lot of the name of God, Rock of Israel, it is necessary for us to study all of the elements of the character of our ruler. Because the essence of being a shadow of a great rock in a thirsty land is only one of the virtues of our ruler, which we can determine to be accurate by having the existence of the other qualities presented to us in the given allegory. Considering that all of these unique qualities possess a surprising balance amongst themselves, they are united, reveal themselves in one the other, come one from the other, identify the legitimacy of one the other, we will be studying them according to the sequence in which we see them presented in the given allegory. The unique union of our ruler, which is our renewed mind, with our king, which is our new man, consists in the fact that he, our ruler, fulfills the role of our helper. When it comes to the king, our new man, he fulfills the role of the master. Therefore, by the role of our ruler, which is presented in his unique qualities to, de to demonstrate the lot contained in the name of God, Rock of Israel, will we be able to determine then the qualities of our king, presenting the very same lot contained in the name of God, Rock of Israel, within the rod of our mouth. And so... We can, by lo looking at the role of our ruler, can then determine also our king. What kind of good king we have. Looking at our ruler, we'll know what kind of king we have. Looking at our soul, our renewed mind, our renewed soul, we will know then what kind of spirit we have. And so, according to the ruler, looking at the ruler, you can then determine the state of your king. If you have a bad character, bad soul, then we know that our king, our, our spirit is not a king. He's not sitting on his throne. 
Why? Because I can't discipline my mouth. And if I can't discipline my mouth, then that means that even though my spirit is born from God, I'm still an infant. And 50 years may be Christian, but still a spiritual infant. And so a, an infant is one where in his thr- upon his throne there's no king and there's no ruler in his mind. A renewed mind is not, his mind is not renewed. Therefore, by the role of our ruler, which is presented in his unique qualities to demonstrate the lot contained in the name of God, Rock of Israel, According to the studied by us allegory, our ruler in the form of our renewed mind is called to rule over our body according to the law of the Most High, and will possess the following qualities. First, he will be for us a shelter from the wind. Second, he, he will be a refuge from the storm. He will be like streams of water in the desert. And fourth, he shall be a shadow of a great rock in a thirsty land. <coughs> These four components speak of the fact that our ruler and our king they they rule and our ruler he governs in our body <clears throat> the first result of our ruler governing within the boundaries of our body and our soul <clears throat> is that the eyes of those who see us will no longer be closed we will See who God is for us, what He's done for us. The ears of those who hear us will listen. <clears throat> we will hear the word, hear the the preached word. The fearful heart will know and understand. We will understand uh, with the spirit of our mind. The stammering tongue will be fluent and clear. And no longer will the fool be called noble, and the scoundrel will not be highly respected, both within our body as well as. Uh, physically and God will cleanse his church from the scoundrels and we'll look at who those people are who never think that they are this in the democratic uh, churches Uh, the the leaders of these people who sit and say that the nation is ignorant but Jesus says that people are not ignorant it's you who were ignorant in the case of the Pharisees if you remember the Lord was showing how the Pharisees, they were the ones ignorant and they were uh, uh, problematic. They had a confrontation with them continuously. God had, or, or Jesus had his, uh, his king and he had his prince. Let's look at <clears throat> the four components that this uh, ruler has. The first component contained in the role of our ruler is his unique ability to present the lot of the name of God, Rock of Israel, in Him being a shelter from the wind for us. And so we ask the question, what is this bad wind that we need to be sheltered from by our renewed mind? Or in what way is our ruler in the form of our renewed mind called to serve as a shelter for us from this bad wind? The bad wind are the activities of the spirit of deception who reveal themselves in thoughts that come from our flesh which resist the thoughts of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, contrary to the bad wind, there is a good wind, who in our renewed mind is 
this blocking force or this shelter from the activity of the thoughts of the spirit of deception within our heart. The wind of grace, as the thoughts of the Holy Spirit, reveal themselves within the atmosphere of our heart, where the Holy Spirit re receives the legitimate ability to demonstrate himself in the quiet blowing or in the breath of revelations consisting in the thoughts of God. The basis for the softly blowing wind of the thoughts of the Holy Spirit, which is our renewed mind, is called to serve as a shelter from the bad wind representing carnal thoughts being supported by the spirit of deception, is the atmosphere of our good heart which identifies the truth of the elementary teaching of Christ. At the same time, the basis for the thoughts of the spirit of deception, creating this bad wind in the minds of carnal men and making them haters of the Holy Spirit, <clears throat> is the atmosphere of their heart which are not cleansed from dead works, lacking the truth of the elementary teaching of Jesus Christ. First Corinthians two twelve through sixteen. What we have received is not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given us. This is what we speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, explaining spiritual realities with spirit taught words. The person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but consider them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are dis discerned only through the Spirit. The person with the Spirit makes judgment about all, th all things, but such a person is not subject to merely human judgment. For who has, the known, who has known the mind of the Lord as so as to instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ. 1 Corinthians 2, 12-16. <clears throat> and so we have the mind of Christ, it says. And so the ruler will be a protector, will be this... Uh, he will be this... Uh, he will protect us from this bad wind. And so a heart that is not cleansed from dead works... All of these uh, bad winds that come, uh, the Holy Spirit has shown me this, he's revealed something to me, I had a dream, I had a revelation, all of these things, these are these foolish uh, things, these are the, this bad wind that comes in. <clears throat> and so the scriptures say that our ruler will be a defense against these things, because our soul is renewed in the death of the Lord Jesus Christ, and our heart is cleansed from dead works. This was the first component of our ruler. Let's look at the second component contained in the role of our ruler in his unique abilities to present the lot of the name of God, Rock of Israel. And so he, this ruler, will be our refuge from the storm. First, he will be a defense against the bad winds. And the second, he will be a refuge from the storm. You see what role God has given to our renewed soul. Not just our spirit, our soul absolutely is interested in the salvation of our whole essence here. You see how busy these rulers are. The king sits on the throne and the rulers <coughs> begins to do the work, perform the work. The king and the ruler will be this uh, refuge from the storm. In Hebrew, the word storm means heavy rain or a pour down accompanied by a windstorm. Refuge means a covering, protection, a curtain, something that covers, a hidden place, a place where you can cover. We ask the question, what within our essence con constitutes a pour-down accompanied by a windstorm? Or in what way is our ruler, in the form of a renewed mind, able to serve as a refuge from this storm? 
For our essence, the symbol of a, of a pour down accompanied by a windstorm are trials that are, allowed, that are allowed by God into our life for the purpose of testing our spiritual structure, which is our trust so that God can separate us from the category of the called, condemning them to a mighty shipwreck in their faith. He again allows this pour down together with this windstorm to separate us again from the category of the called, condemning them to a mighty shipwreck in their faith. Our ruler in the form of our renewed mind can be a refuge for us from the storm exclusively because of his openness and thirst to hear the word of God by the means of which he begins to think about the things of heaven, specifically meditating about the things of heaven which our ruler is captivated by is the legitimate foundation that is necessary so that we can build ourselves into a spiritual house and makes our ruler our refuge from the storm. Very beautifully stated, when our ruler meditates about the things of heaven, what are we doing right now? Meditating about the things of heaven. And this is what makes our ruler, our soul, a covering, a refuge from the storm, where the Lord tests our trust how well are we trusting, relying upon the Word of God to be able to rely upon the Word of God? What great role lies upon our soul, our prince, our mind, so that we continually meditate about the Lord? And the opposite, the thoughts of a carnal man focused upon worldly well-being attempts to utilize anointing and gifts of the Holy Spirit for the wrong purpose, which means there is an absence of a legitimate foundation so that one can build himself into a spiritual house. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on a rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine, and here God is testing our trust, our reliance. And so we have uh, we have this trust and reliance upon the Lord, but everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man. He does not have this ruler in his mind, and if he does not have this ruler, he is like a foolish man, because the 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 ruler is supposed to be this refuge from the storm. And so if he's he does not have a ruler, he's not protected from the storm. He is then as a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down and streams rose and winds blew and beat against that house and it fell with a great crash. Matthew 7, 24 through 27. And so it turns out that our king, our spirit, and our ruler, our soul, are interested in protecting us from this storm. That is, turn our trust upon the word of God. Move our trust so that we rely and trust upon this rock, this strong rock, the elementary teaching of Jesus Christ. This was the second component contained in the role of our ruler. The third component contained in the role of our ruler in his, in his unique abilities to present the lot of the name of God, Rock of Israel, is that he, our ruler, will be like streams of water in a desert for us. In Hebrew, the phrase a stream of water in a desert means streams of living water in a dry and parched land. 
And so, what? Who is our soul here? The soul can. The Lord can use it and make it streams of water in a desert. Without our soul, the Lord will not be able to uh, quench our thirst. We ask the question: What in our essence is a land that is dry and parched? And in what way is our ruler, in the form of a renewed mind, able to be these streams of water in in a desert for us? <clears throat> the symbol of the land that is dry and parched in our essence implies the thirst to listen to the word of the Lord and to be these streams of water in the desert is the collaboration of our ruler and the Holy Spirit in being led by the Holy Spirit John seven thirty seven through 39 on the last day that great day of the feast Jesus stood and cried out let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living, of living water will flow from within me, within them. By this he meant the, the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time the Spirit has not been given, since Jesus had not yet been glorified. And so, our soul is, again, also partake, partaking in... Uh, being led with the Holy Spirit and this requires being ful- uh, fulfilling the Word of God or the commandments of the Lord and so you'll have this draw this this draw to say something or this need to say something and it, it could be an inspiration of the Holy Spirit if the Lord sees he's that this person is fulfilling his commandments uh, and because he's fulfilling his commandments he may put a uh, his own desire upon the heart of this person and tell them to go and comfort a sister or a brother, for example. One who is led by the Holy Spirit and being led by the Holy Spirit is being filled with the Holy Spirit, fulfilling the commandments of the Lord, and the Lord can then use this as an instrument for specific situations. The fourth component contained in the role of our ruler in his unique abilities to present the lot of the name of God, Rock of Israel, consists in him being like a shadow from a great rock to us in a thirsty land. In Hebrew, the phrase shadow from a great rock in a thirsty land means the shadow of the Almighty making itself known in the virtue of the exalted by God rock or the contrite and humble heart. And so the shadow of the Almighty, we ask the question, what in our essence is a contrite and humble heart? And in what circumstance can our ruler, in the form of our renewed mind, serve as a shadow from a great rock for us? The symbol of the thirsty land, identifying a contrite and humble heart of a man who is for for the sake of the governance of the stronghold of life within his body, has died by the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ for his nation, the house of his father, and for the carnal way of life. The purpose of our ruler in the form of our renewed mind serves as a shadow from the great rock for us. This requires then a partaking to Zion where our ruler becomes for us the shadow from a great rock. Isaiah 57:15. For this is what the high and exalted one says, He who lives forever, whose name is holy. I live in a high and holy place, but also with the one who is contrite and lowly in spirit, to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. 
we see that if a person is has this humble and, hun and contrite spirit, he will be a partaker of the temple. And because he's a partaker of the temple, he's a partaker of, of Zion. And we now see how our soul can become the shadow. And so the shadow, what is a shadow? A shadow uh, that still has great light. This is one that warms and gives light. It's in the form of overshadowing you. And it's and it's from something living. You can't say it as an example of a shadow from a house, for example. But it's a shadow uh, or overshadowing from something of like a, a growing tree or a, a flying bird. Uh, as we know that the shadow of Peter healed people. God looks at the shadow. How can the shadow of an apostle heal? It can, because the apostle has this ruler inside of him and this his renewed mind, and it's in complete dependence of his king who sits upon the throne, the throne of our of our body, which is our our lips, and we as humble and contrite people have uh, we're partakers of the body of Christ and our church has an organic connection to the Lord Father and speaking in, in, in these kinds of terms we can now uh, see how we are overshadowed uh, being connected to the one and then the next to the other we are over overshadowed then and our soul then passes on this shadow our soul to our body from our spirit to our soul to our body And so the one that accesses our body, the ultimate one who accesses our body, is our soul, our ruler, our renewed mind. These were the four components of our ruler. To examine the governance of our ruler within the boundaries of what is our essence, it is necessary for us to examine ourselves on the existence of six additional signs which will reveal themselves in our words and our actions. These are six uh, signs that identify whether our ruler governs within us or not. The eyes of those who see us will no longer be closed. The ears of those who hear us will listen. The fearful heart will know and understand. The stammering tongue will be fluent and clear. No longer will the fool be called noble, and the scoundrel will not be high and respected, or will not be highly respected. Let us look at the six signs shortly and identify whether we have this ruler who, who governs according to God's righteousness. The first sign in the given allegory by which we can judge about the val validity of the four above-mentioned components consists in the eyes of those who see us no longer being closed. And so again, again that first sign is that the eyes of those who see us no longer will be closed. This means that my ruler then is a protection, is a shadow for me, because the essence of the given sign, as well as those that follow, consists in the nobility of our ruler, 
in the form of our mind that is renewed by the spirit of our mind, because he is given the opportunity to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, which God contains in the treasury of his parables, which are the language of the Holy Spirit. And such knowledge consists in our eyes, unlike the category of carnal men will possess the ability to see who God is for us in Christ Jesus, what God has done for us in Christ Jesus, and who we are to God in Christ Jesus. And so if we have this ruler, we will have eyes that will see, that will not be closed. They're closed when we forget who God is for us, what he's done for us, and who we are, who we are to him in Jesus Christ. You need to always see these before yourself. 1 Corinthians 13, 9-12 For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child, this is a carnal person or an infant in Christ. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. There was no ruler. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror. This is being in, car- in a carnal state. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part. Then I shall know fully even as I am fully known. How important it is to have this ruler. That the first sign will be that the eyes that see will not be closed. I will always see who, what God has done for me, who he is for me, and who I am to God in Jesus Christ, and continuously seeing this before you. The second sign in the given allegory by which we can judge about the validity of the four above-mentioned components consists in the ears of those who hear will be able to listen. By this we determine whether we have this ruler that governs according to God's righteousness. That means, and if he is, that means we have a king who sits upon his throne. This ability consists in the ear of our heart being open and prepared to attend to the preached word about the kingdom of heaven called to rule within our body. Unlike when we were in the carnal state, we did not understand or think about preparing our heart to listen to the preached word about the kingdom of heaven. Ecclesiastes 5.1 Guard your steps when you go into the house of God. Go near to listen rather than to offer the sacrifice of fools who do not know that they do, that they do wrong. And so the ability to attend to the word of God, to listen, so prepare your heart so you can listen to the word of God. I incline my ear to the preached word of God. The third sign in the given allegory by which we can judge about the validity of the four above-mentioned components consists in the fearful heart, knowing and understanding. This consists in our heart having the ability to reason, to differentiate the clean from the unclean and the holy from the unholy, which previously was Fearful, meaning was not wise when we were still in a carnal state. Job 34, 1-4 Then Elihu said, Hear my words, you wise men. Listen to me, you men of learning. For the ear tests the words, as the tongue tastes food. Let us discern for ourselves what is right. Let us learn together what is good. The ability to discern the ability to reason. 
as we see the those the ears that here will be able to hear and now we will be able to reason we will be able to discern and so those that are fearful will be able to now uh, reason and uh, uh, and look at the word that is given to them to to you or to them the fourth sign in the given allegory by which we can judge about the validity of the four above-mentioned components consists in the stammering tongue being fluent and clear the ability will consist this ability will consist in us up uh, obtaining the ability to confess the faith of God abiding in our wise heart, unlike when we were in the state of the flesh and confessed the truth which we did not understand and which was not in our heart. Being in, in the state of the flesh, when we confess the word of God that is not in our heart or the word of God that we don't understand, and so it's very important that we understand what we are confessing, the word that we are confessing, because that's when it has power. When we confess the word of God and we understand what this word means. Fifth sign in the given allegory by which we can judge about the validity of the four above-mentioned components consists in the fool no longer being called noble. Very important quality here, that the fool no longer be called noble. In the given allegory, the fool is a person who trusts upon the ability of his intellect, trusting that he is enlightened in the law of the truth, when actually he does not know anything. And so again, this is a fool, this is one who trusts upon the abilities of his intellect, thinking that he is enlightened when he actually does not know anything. How, what did the Pharisees say? when they sent uh, some of their people and they said we couldn't take Jesus and they said why they said well we never heard anyone preach the way he does speak the way he does John seven forty eight. have any of the rulers or of the Pharisees believed in him no but this mob that knows nothing of the law there is a curse on them Look what the Pharisees just said about the nation, about the people who are following Christ. That this, they called them a mob that knows nothing of the law. There is a curse on them. Nicodemus, he did receive Jesus Christ, and others did receive him. But these fools, they saw, they didn't see themselves as ignorant and fools. They thought others were. Previously, when we were in the state of the flesh, we were captivated by the knowledge and success of similar fools, but after we were renewed by the spirit of our mind, we stopped considering them and calling them noble. Proverbs, Proverbs 12.1 Whoever loves instruction loves knowledge, but he who hates correction is stupid. The scriptures say that the fool will not be considered noble. One who cannot read or understand, he will never be considered noble. He, and he should not be treated as such. And the sixth sign in the given allegory by which we can judge about the validity of the four above-mentioned components consists in the scoundrel not being highly respected. If being in the state of the flesh, we welcomed rumors about our neighbors from the mouth of men, considering them to be true witnesses, 
Now, after our mind is renewed by the spirit of our mind, we will consider such people as scoundrels. So how do you determine whether you have your ruler? And so when a person spreads rumors, when he's a person is spreading rumors about your brothers, what do you then, what do you think in your mind about this person? Will you consider them a true witness? You will consider him a true witness if your mind is not renewed and you don't have this ruler. But when you have this confidence and you sit upon your throne and you say, I do not want to receive this kind of information about my brother or sister because I don't carry responsibility for this person. Neither do you. And does pastor know about this? And so if you know about this, pastor knows about it clearly. And so it's very dangerous to be doing these kinds of things. We don't have the right to uh, judge according to how we think. There is a person whom God has placed in the church. He, of course, knows. And he speaks with the people he needs to. He prays for the people he needs to. And, of course, if we already know information, then he definitely knows. And so we need to understand that <clears throat> about a scoundrel, you will not say, well, he is an honest man, and he's telling the truth. Proverbs 16, 27 through 29. An ungodly man digs up evil, and it is on his lips like a burning fire. A perverse man sows strife, and a whisper separates the best of friends. A violent man entices his neighbor and leads him in a way that is not good. Underlining the sixth sign, which confirms the truthfulness of the above-mentioned four components, we will present the words of Prophet Isaiah, which were spoken by Christ in his dialogue with his disciples, who asked him why he spoke in parables. Matthew 13, 10-17 And the disciples came and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? He answered and said to them, Because it has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For whoever has, to him more will be given, and he and he he will have abundance, but whoever does not have even what he has will be taken away from him. Therefore I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing what they do not hear, nor do they understand. And in them the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled, which says, Hearing you will hear, you will hear and shall not understand, and seeing you will see and not perceive. For the heart of this people have grown dull, their ears are hard of hearing, and their eyes they have closed lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, lest they should understand with their hearts and turn so that they, so that I should heal them. But blessed are you, your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For assuredly I say to you that many prophets and righteous men desire to see what you see and did not see it and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. And so what are we to have? Jesus said, who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. 
we have an ear and we hear the word and we will thank God for the word that we have heard, that word that has been passed on to us from our pastor, Arkadi. You can hear these sermons in the archives. It's from the month of May, uh, May 7th, 2021. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we thank you for the great privilege of being in this place that your hand has appointed for the worshiping of your holy name. We thank you, Father, that upon this place is the fear of the Lord, because upon this place is your word, your word which you have magnified above all of your names. And today, Lord, we looking at you and looking at your messengers whom you have sent into our life, we also want to magnify your word in our life. We thank you, Lord, that today you allow us to look as you look, and we look from the heights of these peaks and from the heights of the hills. You call us a nation that lives separately and does not, is not numbered among the other nations, but you have counted us, you have numbered us. You've numbered us the sand of Israel the grains, the sand grains of Israel, and a fourth part of Israel. You've numbered all those who, whom you call chosen from the multitude of the called. You have numbered those whom you foreknew and whom you predestined to be conformed to the image of your Son, Jesus Christ. Those whom you have called, those who you justified, and those who you glorified in Jesus Christ. And we thank you, Lord, that today we have become this fourth together with your body. We are an organic member of your body. And we thank you that you have numbered us <clears throat> from the multitude of the called and have called us by name. You have given to us the heights of your hills where you make a covenant and from the heights of these hills where we make a covenant with you, a covenant of blood, covenant of salt, and covenant of rest, you have allowed us to <clears throat> see the rocky peaks. These are your great oath promises, which contains the adoption of our body by the redemption of Christ. We thank you, Lord, that you have said in your word that you will keep us without blemish in your presence, our spirit, soul, and body. And you have allowed us to see this promise today from the heights of your peaks and your hills. We thank you that you are for us the shadow. You have allowed us to find your shadow in your church, in your temple. You have allowed us to obtain your shadow when we have when we became an organic member of your body. We acknowledge the person that you have sent into our life, and our heart collaborates with the words of the person who stands over us, so that our lips would be able to confess the faith of our heart 
and be in collaboration with your lips. We thank you for the shadow that is upon this place, that we did not just acknowledge your Zion, your church. We have acknowledged your godly order and that person whom you have given to us and whom you have placed over us so that we, because of him, can we can receive this shadow and the shadow that our ruler will be able to provide our spirit and, and our soul, our king and our ruler would be able to provide the shadow for our body. We thank you that all of these areas for where you provide your shadow, where you prov- provide your grace, may all these areas, all of, all of ourselves be restored. We thank you that you continue to rule sitting upon your throne. We thank you for the Son of God who rules and sits at your right hand. We thank you for the Holy Spirit who mightily shows himself in your great word. Thank you for your Zion where you provide your shadow. I pray for the person by whom you provide this shadow who is in need of our prayers today and our pleas to you. So that this string not be ripped, this connection not be broken, we pray that your mercy come speedily and a full restoration of your messenger so that he can with boldness preach your truth for, for which you have called him and the service that you have placed him. We pray that this person who is a shadow for us, may he be restored, may he be restored before your face. May he be lifted up above all his enemies. We thank you, Lord that we have received this shadow in our spirit but you Lord have bore our spirit and have allowed our spirit to sit upon the throne in the form of our gentle and meek mouth we thank you Lord for the for the ruler that is in our renewed mind and we pray Lord for our body just as we pray of our pastor who is in need especially of prayer in this area so that you can show your might your righteousness your judgments may our body be adopted by the redemption of Christ we want that every single area where your grace is that it be restored in us and so we today use this prayer we pray for the body of our pastor and for our own bodies that also today are in illnesses and sicknesses in suffering we pray not that you just visit us with your healing. We pray, Lord, that you 
placed your throne in your body, in your saints, in every one of us. If you will give your healing, we want this healing to come from the Son of Righteousness that has risen in our heart. We thank you, Lord, for this great mercy that today you are a defense for us. You protect us from the evil winds. You've allowed us to cleanse our conscience from dead works. You've allowed us to renew our mind with the spirit of our mind. And you have protected us from the snares of those who consider idols because we have been caught into your nets, into your snares, the snares of the kingdom of heaven. We thank you for your covering from the storms. We thank you that you are the wellspring of waters, the streams of waters, and you have passed on the streams of waters in your word into our heart, and we, confessing with our mouth, we pour out these streams of water in the desert and we receive the spring of water, we receive the Holy Spirit, and we establish Him within our life, in all areas of our life as the Lord and Master. You, thank you that you are our Lord and Master of our house, of this place, as in my life personally and the life of every person that's here. You also build of us a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, so that we can bring to you spiritual sacrifices that are acceptable to you and we acknowledge the Holy Spirit as the Lord and Master of our life we thank you Lord for your shadow that today is in us for your grace we pray that you continue to reveal your mercy and that you demonstrate this mercy so that the eyes of the one that sees would not be closed so we not forget who you are and what you have done for us and who we are to you in Jesus Christ. Our eyes will never be closed and we will never forget this. You have shown your mercy so that our ears would be able to tend to your word. And so we bow before your word, before your preached word, the word of God. We Thank you that you continue to place these breads upon the table of showbreads and you then remove them <clears throat> for yourself. We today with reverence and with reverence we continue to take these breads and we will never doubt you or your son or the Holy Spirit or your truth your true messengers and we will never allow an evil thought to cast shadows upon your messengers we pray that your order is in our essence today we thank you Lord that you have delivered us from fearfulness and that we can discern your word today we can reason we are no longer with stammering lips we don't pray our own personal prayers we pray the prayers using the truth that has become the possession of our heart that has been the possession of our mind and our lips 
we thank you that you called us a psalm when all of our essence together with the Holy Spirit proclaims the richness of the word of God in us and we pray that not in our essence or in the body of Christ there never be uh, ignorance and foolishness and that the foolish not be called noble that a person who is not able to accept correction who cannot be a student that there not be any kind of uh, consideration of this person in that kind of manner that our consideration be toward those who have inclined the ear to hear the word and about the evil one of the foolish one we will never say and the scoundrel we will never call as honest and so every time if we hear we speak a, someone speaks about a holy person that we are not responsible for this a rumor spread we will close our ears and not receive these words whether they be right or wrong if we don't carry responsibility for them there are people who are responsible whom you have placed for this and so allow us that you continue to cover us with your shadow with your grace to acknowledge your order in the body of Christ we thank you for the service we thank you for the word that we were able to hear and we will continue to with trembling wait for that hour and that time that you will continue to teach us by your by our pastor Arkadi we know that you have more that you want to show us from your heights allow us Lord to be lifted up to these heights allow us to see you in your beauty you speak in many ways and in different forms and we want to hear you in your word that is anointed by the Holy Spirit may your name be blessed and may you be glorified upon this holy place our great God Son and Holy Spirit Amen our Father in heaven hallowed be your name your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts <clears throat> as we forgive our debtors and do not lead us into temptation but deliver us from the evil one for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever amen and so before we finish with our manifestation I have a small announcement we have guests from uh, Litva if we'd like you to come out please we want to see you we have four guests I would like you to please state how your name and they will be here until the 23rd of May so we'll have some time Veronica Rutha and the last one I probably won't pronounce and so the 23rd there they'll leave so they're not here for too long uh, these are our saints from 
<clears throat> and they're from Lithuania. I would like you to please welcome them and spend some time with them. And now let us finish with our manifestation. <clears throat> Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy, to God our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen. <laughs>